Welcome to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. A very odd, quiet October week. No Guardians baseball, as we all know. We finished out the Francona era this week with his official stepping down as of Tuesday. The Browns had a bye week, which we're going to lead off with them. And then the Cavaliers opened up camp. So there's some news there. We're going to get to the Jarrett Allen injury. What does that mean? Some of the things that I heard throughout the week of press conferences, immediate day for the Cavs, et cetera, et cetera. The Buckeyes did have a victory. They're the one team in play this week. They beat Maryland, did what they're supposed to do there. Kind of a sleepy start for the Buckeyes, but they ended up winning the game comfortably, 20 points. So we'll get to them at the very end of the show. Let's start off with our Browns in the bye week. So what to think? Kind of a loaded question, isn't it? What to really think of these guys um, is, you know, I was watching today the Steelers-Ravens game, and I was really, again, blown away by the Steelers, who clearly don't have a good offense. Steelers' offense is anemic. Very poor um, at times. Um, Can't even get yards like very, very bedrock type things where they just can't get first down yarders to get second down and four. I mean, they're they're always in long situations, and they just don't seem to have a very good rhythm or flow at times in offense. Yet I saw a team today make plays when they had to. Their defense carried them to victory, and they also got some help here and there from the Ravens, but it was because of the forced pressure that they put allowing their defense to carry the day, knowing that their offense was not going to be able to yield such points and yards. And it made me reflect as a Browns fan saying, why why can't the Browns do that? The Browns have a similar defense. I don't know if it's as good as the Steelers at times, meaning the Browns have a very, very good defense. They do not cause turnovers as much as the Steelers do and or lift the opponent. But the Steelers uh, do. The Steelers know how to make winning plays on defense, stripping the ball, uh, getting in front of the Ravens, putting them in positions where they put pressure consistently on their opponent. The Browns just don't seem to have a good grasp of the game at times, and that's where I'm going to lead off. Like It's 2-2. Two and two. They, The Browns have a very good defense. Their offense is in question. Their best players out for the season with an injury, Nick Chubb. Their second best player, Miles Garrett, is having a very good year. And their quarterback is, has a shoulder injury, which is very bizarre. But watching a team like the Steelers win the way they did today because they were incapable of moving the ball. Forget putting up points. They, just couldn't, they were not productive offense. I got to be truthful. I, I don't know if the Browns can win that way. And um, that gets me into my first point here is we're in a bye week. Tomlin can do that. The Steelers seem to know how to play the game within the game, meaning that they have a good grasp of, you know, this, these are situations in game that we're up against. So we're going to put, we're going to do things to capitalize on our best abilities here in this game, which is, putting pressure on uh, Lamar Jackson, maybe causing a fumble here and there, maybe causing a mistake here and there, especially if we're just going to capitalize on that. 
the Browns, I don't think, was the fancier coach that way. The Steelers, truthfully, don't have as many talented players as the Browns do, but they're better coached. They're just better equipped to win games mentally. The Browns' offense is not very good at times, and they have a very – it's clunky. It's not refined. It, it just has a hard time getting going, and this is not your – you know, one of this was Stefanski with a new quarterback. I mean, kind of felt this way the, with the three and a half years now, Stefanski on his fourth year. I just don't know Stefanski's the guy. In fact, I know he's not. Stefanski is not a good coach. He's not. He's just not a good coach. He's a nice guy. He has good offensive ideas, but he's just not a good coach. Last Sunday, it got exposed. Stefanski has moments where he can glorify a victory, meaning he can have his offense running in all cylinders. He can have... Um, his team actually put up um, analytical pinball type numbers. You really can. I mean, Stefanski's grooving with his play call, and the offense is humming. I mean, the sky's the limit. It can really ping pong around a pinball board. It can really get some high points. But outside of that, that that's about Stefanski's strength. Um, he he does not make in game adjustments well. He does not handle situations well when the offense can't drive the game. Again, you watch the Steelers today over the Ravens. Ravens are clearly a better team. But the Steelers allowed their best players and their best side of the ball dictate the game. And because of that, they were able to win. Right now, the Browns at times need, and I'd say most times, need to let the defense dictate the day, not the offensive play calling. And the Browns are still fighting that internally. And they don't make in-game adjustments. I mean, this Stefanski just doesn't do it. I, I think it's we need to start figuring out what – I just don't – they're going to have to overcome Stefanski to win this year. Um, coming to that conclusion after that game today, I could never see Stefanski lead a team like the Steelers did today. Just could never see it. Could never see a situation where they would be able to just will their way with defense and fumbles and special plays that were not downfield or, you know, specific offensive routes. The Browns just aren't there men- mentally. They just aren't. The Browns can't do. Well, I'm seeing the Steelers do for victories. It's just not in their ammo. It's just not. And this NFL season, it's becoming more the ammo of what I'm seeing for the Steelers. In past years, it's been offense and analytics, and that's been driving a sport with these 40-point games we saw two or three years ago. This season so far, I mean, outside of the Dolphins game with the Broncos, and there's been probably some other examples that I'm not remembering, you're not really seeing those pinball wizard analytic numbers. And the Browns do have a very good defense. They don't turn over the ball a lot, but they do have a very good defense. And 
that's what needs to be driving this team. And it just doesn't feel that way when you're watching the Browns play. And again, I just marvel what the Steelers did in that artwork they did today of really just putting themselves in position to win where they really had no reason to be in that game. And I just sat to myself and said, I don't think Stefanski could ever do that. He's not the right coach for this team. He, he's not He's not a good coach. He's just not. He's a good offensive mind. He's a good person. He's a nice guy. He has a good sense of how to run within the Berea organization, meaning he keeps things calm. He's not dramatic. He's very polite. Smart. Doesn't mean he's a good coach. And I think it's time to like admit, like we all do, like we have faults. The Browns' biggest fault here is they're not being led by the right coach. There's again, there's injuries and big ones. The Nick Chubb injury is a big injury. Sean Watson's shoulders is an injury now that is clearly going to make an impact on the season. In particular, because there's no more. Josh Dobbs, they have to find ways to win games of DTR if um, Deshaun's not there, and that's scary. Not easy to think about. Well, that to be said, though, when you watch what we're watching here from the Browns, the Browns, when it comes to football acumen, comes to, again, what we what I saw today from the Steelers, Browns just don't have that, and it's very frustrating as a fan because the Browns have a type of defense where they could win that way. Browns have a type of defense where they could probably carry a team throughout the season and allow its offense to figure some things out. The Browns just don't seem to be interested in that. They seem to be more interested in here's how here's, we're going to call a I'll call it a flamboyant offensive game rather than just trying to figure out wins and losses. And I think we're kind of there as fans. It's just not the right fit. He's not a good coach. He's not. Kevin Stefanski is not a good coach. He's just not. He's not the right fit for this team right now. This team needs to be thinking more of what I saw today from Tomlin. And, boy, it's amazing that Pittsburgh wants to run that guy out of town. And you want to talk about how poorly the offensive was run by Matt Canada? I get it. That's for a different podcast. Nor do I care. And I hate the Steelers, so – it's great to see them suffer on offense. But it's very frustrating to watch a very good coach in Tomlin being able to sneak victories like they did today and realizing to yourself as you sit in the chair, it's like, gosh, I don't know if the Browns could ever do something like that. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. And it's not a good feeling as a fan. And that's why I'm coming to this conclusion. He's not a good coach. I don't know how this the Browns are going to have to win above Stefanski. I really do. I think the Browns are going to have to win despite Stefanski. And that's not easy. In fact, it's very hard. Possible, though. This team's talented enough, and I've seen it done before in sports. But Stefanski's either going to have to change gears big time mentally, which I haven't seen any proof that he will, or they're going to have to fight above the, the fight because they can win with their defense the way I saw the Steelers win today. And I think over time they can start to create more turnovers. And I think they can create more things to get victories outside of just 
I don't know what that slop was. We talked about last week with the Ravens. We won't, we won't relive. That's how we're going to start off the segment, and that's what I realized in the bye week. Not a good coach. Not the right fit for this team right now. And that's not a good feeling as they head into a bye week going to the Niners next week. Not a good feeling. There is hope, though, because the team is talented. They have very talented players, and you have to give a chance to Stefanski. Maybe Stefanski can figure this out. Maybe he can watch some of the things I saw tonight and say, gosh, maybe we need to start doing that here in Cleveland. Maybe. Maybe some pressure comes down from others. Maybe, Bria, maybe. Doubtful, but maybe. That's what I'm hoping for. Because, again, I that today is how the Browns can win. They can win that way. Or, frankly, mentally, I don't know if they'd ever do that. And that's what's very frustrating as we get into this bye. Let's get back into what, what happened last week for the Browns when we come back. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love thoughtful, good Browns content, go to believeintheland.com. Also, check out our YouTube page at Believe in the Land. Some of you might be watching it right now. Hello. Happy Sunday. Also, check out at Official Cleveland Sports. We are on after every Browns, Buckeyes football, Cavs, basketball very soon, starting up. Less than 20 days now. And the Guardians next spring. Oh, our Guardians. <laughs> check it out at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. And again, check out Believe in the Land.com. Okay, Browns. So this week was supposed to be a bye week, which usually for most teams is time to take a nap. But the Browns <laughs> could not avoid some drama. So there was drama all week. With the Browns, uh, what was going on to Sean Watson's shoulder? So the Stefanski came back out and Monday said, Hey, not up to me. Not up to me. Doctors cleared him, said he was clearly ready to go play. So that started off the week. Um, obviously, Deshaun Watson has not spoken. Um, it's very curious that Stefanski put it all on Deshaun because, as an outside neutral observer who loves the Browns, when is it ever just one person's decision at any kind of NFL level? It normally is never one person's decision, one player's decision. Uh, very, very rare. Um, it happens. Don't get me wrong, but in this kind of situation, that that is not usually the norm. Usually there's a lot of thought and a lot of you know huddling that goes around of them what to do. So I found that to be curious. And then we had Andrew Barry's midweek press conference, which kind of told the story that I was expecting all along. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or Padel, as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, 
health and wellness, true crime and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers. Every episode of Double Down with Breslow is packed with insider tips, deeply skilled analysis, and in-depth discussions. Don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting. Listen to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Double Down with Breslow, the business of sports betting podcast. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age... You're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Andrew Barry came out and said, hey, we thought he was going to play on Friday. Deshaun Watson on Friday said so as much. Kind of coming out of the story. The Friday before the Sunday game with the Ravens. We all thought he was playing. That made sense to me. Checkbox one. Checkbox on Sunday. Hey, we all gathered, even though he's clinically cleared, it was clearly something going on, as Andrew Berry said. And we all concluded, he just didn't put on Deshaun. We said we all concluded that he wasn't going to be able to play on Sunday against the Ravens. That is far different from what Stefanski said, basically going with, hey, look, we tried, but he couldn't go. It is up to him. Uh, those are two very differentiating stories. I tend to believe Andrew Barry. That that makes sense to me on that kind of level. Where, yes, I think they all assumed he was going to play on Friday. Check. Sunday, it didn't get better. He couldn't make the throws they needed to make in the game. So they all concluded, not just Deshaun, like, hey, this isn't the smart thing to do. We're going to sit you down. That's not what Stefanski said. The Stefanski basically went into more of a, it was on Deshaun, not me. So that that's odd. That puts some uncomfortability on the situation for sure. 
And I think what Andrew Barry said makes, again, a ton more sense. Of course it wasn't just Deshaun's call. Of course, as he said, we could all observe. It just wasn't something that like, oh, my, my, my shoulder hurts. No, I mean, he, as he said, like, they all concluded he couldn't play. That makes sense. And then he gave a, even before he went into his explanation of Deshaun, you know, he gave a state of the union. And usually Andrew Barry's state of the union of where the Browns are at during the bye week is pretty brief. It's maybe like, you know, a minute, minute and a half, two. It's pretty long. And he said glowing remarks about how he's happy with Jim Schwartz and how he thinks Bubba Ventrone's doing a nice job. And he went through some other points throughout the season and didn't really say much about Stefanski. Kind of kept to himself quiet. Hearing enough of these press conferences, that is usually not the norm. If you're usually going to talk about the assistant coaches, at some point you're going to give a complimentary, like, hey, but our coach is doing this or doing that. Um, not the case with said Stefanski. I'm sorry, said Barry. Barry, again, praising Jim Schwartz, really giving him high remarks, and he deserves it. Jim Schwartz has done a good job. Then we go to um, Bob Ventron. He said he did a nice job. I I concur with that. And Stefanski, I don't really have much to say. I love the show by saying I don't think Andrew, I don't think Kevin Stefanski should be the coach. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think he's going to do well as us as a coach here in Cleveland. Andrew Barry indirectly saying the same thing. You know, hey, I love Schwartz. Defense is great. But we've been trying to do a nice job as Stefanski. And that, you know, and that goes to what we saw on Sunday. The offense didn't look good. That goes on Stefanski. And it's not going well for Stefanski right now. This is a, you know, we talk about the bye week for the players. Bye week for the coach. Coach has got to start figuring stuff out. And there's definitely, quietly to me, uh, some sort of a disagreement or riff uh, that Andrew Barry did very politely through his press conference. But that's a that's a riff. Basically saying, hey, look, Jim, hey, Jim Schwartz, Bob Ventrone, all right, all right, all right. Stavansky, crickets, 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 crickets. I mean, that's weird. That's weird. Very weird. Very odd. And that's what I got from the press conference. There was, he explained also throughout to give you some other drabs, like there's not going to be another backward quarterback brought, there's not going to be another quarterback brought in to back up to Sean. At this time, there's no seeming to be advancement of running backs, which I find curious. Saying the Browns do need a running back. Get that in a second. And, you know, he's, you know, Seeing this team hopefully develop. This is the surmise I got, which I and they're not really guaranteeing much outside of that. I think that's prudent, meaning like he's he doesn't want to commit to anything, and nor should you at a press conference when there's nothing in place. But like you know, he I, again, I thought that press conference to do at the top was the top moment. That that does does say a lot. Explaining the Deshaun injury 
and then giving heap and praise to assistants, but not your said head coach. Kevin Stefanski is not a good coach. He's not having a good season, and he's not a good fit for this team right now. It's a problem. Browns are going to have to play above that. That's going to lot. To do that, they need their quarterback back. Uh, Deshaun Watson's P is a big key to this season now. We all kind of knew that after Chubb, but it got defined after that loss. We have not heard from Watson outside of his normal podcasting, but he's not spoken about his injury, about where he's at. Hopefully we get some sort of update, which we will this week. But that injury uh, looming story carries over into another week now. Not Not good. Not good at all. That that lingering story of what's going on with his injured shoulder just ugh, moseys on. That would have been smart for Deshaun to actually speak, but he didn't. I knew he wasn't going to do so. Nor is he. And you now here we are, wondering and twiddling our thumbs, saying, "Oh gosh, hopefully he plays. Hopefully he plays. Hopefully he plays." And don't really have any kind of response or kind of feeling right now, which way it's going to go. And that's the bye. I mean, again, and this is a bye week where it's just to be getting rest. And truly mentally, I don't know where that's at for this club. Big week for Stefanski next week. And you're playing the Niners too. Not easy. Not easy. Not easy. But okay, four games in. Let's, let's forget what I just said and, Forget that the culture is back again. It is. You know, before we move on, that the, this culture of loserville negativity that I thought got broken actually against the Titans for a little bit. The the storm clouds are back. All sorts of thunder and lightning, all sorts of red on the radar. This negative culture, this dramatic uh, I don't know what it is about this team. Can't get out of their own way. It's always dramatic. Always. There's always some sort of weird fight. And there's always some some weird, bizarre storyline that happens. Seems like every year with this club. And except for the COVID year. And here we are again. Last year is obviously the, the, what happened to Sean Watson off the field. And this season's the Sean Watson injury and the coaching decisions that are going on around that Ravens game. And they are bizarre. Very bizarre. And it did not go well for the Browns last week. And for a time when your team needs a bye week, just a chance to catch its breath. Not in Cleveland, Ohio, baby. Not with the Browns in the NFL. The D is not for defense, and they have a great defense. The D right now is for dramatic, for drama. The Browns just have so much drama. Every year, I thought maybe we'd be able to get out of it, but it's clearly here again. And it's going to be very challenging for this club to get to the playoffs without Nick Chubb. That's the other big conclusion I got. They have the defense. Defense is there. They have to keep Deshaun Watson healthy. They need to allow their defense to dictate wins and losses now, not the offense. That's why I'm I'm hoping Stefanski takes that into consideration. Again, watching what I saw today from the Steelers, they need to play like that. That's the kind of stuff we need from this team. Really do. 
Offensively, offensive line has got some concerns. Jed Wills is not having a good start to the season. I don't know what happened, but why Teller had a terrible game last year. Last week, sorry. And Teller's usually very good and didn't play well. Posick is not having a good start to the season. And you have a rookie right tackle. Offensive line's not, you know, it's not a beacon of strength right now. It's actually now a concern. It's now something that we have to point, starting to talk forward about, can the offensive line hold up week to week? It's usually never a storyline we have to talk about in this club. I think it is going forward. How is the offensive line going to match up? It's not a given anymore. That's just going to be okay. There's the Again, I think Wyatt Teller will figure itself out. It's only one game. It's fine. But Posick, I think something to circle, and I definitely think Jed Wills is something to circle. Teller, fine. Batonio, fine. Actually, I think Dewan Jones is fine. Your left tackle and your center's got some problems. And they're not block, they're just not run blocking well. Pass blocking's okay. It's good. But their offensive line's not really having a cohesive good start to the season. And oh, by the way, you can't cover up sometimes bad run blocking with Nick Chubb because he's injured and he's out for the year. So I think that's being exacerbated. And that's to my other point here. Jerome Ford. He's a good number two running back. He is not a lead back. The Browns don't have a lead back right now, and it's costing them running yards, and their offensive line's not helping. It's got to be a big fog with focus in this bye week. What are they going to do with this running game? And it's a growing theme throughout the league. I, uh, the Browns aren't the only ones being challenged by this. There's multiple teams who aren't running the ball as smoothly as they thought they were going to be at one point during the season. So the Browns have to figure out a way because they have the defense. They have a way to get into the win column. They have to figure out a way. How do they how do they run the ball just to get this game into the defensive hands and field position? Not with fancy loop-de-loop passes and jet sweeps. Ugh. Sean Watson being healthy is critical. I said that again, but I want to mention one more time. It is really critical. The defense just needs to keep doing what it's doing. Making more turnovers might is the only note. Defense is there. It's very solid. I don't know what to think about last week. I would throw that away. I still think it's very, very good defense. Secondary is good. Defense line so much improved. And the linebackers are, are having a good start to the season. Defense is there. Special teams, they're having a they're having a hard time returning kicks and returning punts, but the field goal kicking has been Cade Yorku. I mean, thank God that's gone. So the special teams has kind of settled down somewhat, not all the way, but that's why I think Barry's got a good assessment of his team. You know, special teams right now is nice. It's not it's doing a nice job. Defense though is there, but there's right now the storylines in football are more defensive rather than offensive. So the Browns aren't unique there. Their defenses are also shining right now. Offenses aren't having these again these video type numbers, pinball type numbers, I call it. You're not really seeing that this year in the league. And that's where the Browns are at. Here's some rays of hope, though. Schedule gets a lot easier after the Niners. You're going to start playing teams that even though they have winning records, they're not as good as the Browns. The Texans, the Bears, bad teams, Broncos, Colts, these are all winnable games. Very winnable games. Even the game against L.A. on the road, winnable game. Cardinals, winnable game. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's an easy, that's an easy six. In my opinion, you win five out of six of those seven wins. You grind out a victory against the Niners or hopefully you win two more division games, maybe three. You're at 10 wins. And I think 10 wins is about the number. Take the wild card. We'll see if they can win the division. But again, that, that's, that's the positive. Like you're going to gobble up some wins. And this team does have the talent. But I'm going to lead off to what I said at the start of the show. I don't think this is the right coach. Now, it really worries me. And Andrew Barry, I think I'm reading into his comments. I think kind of said the same thing I'm saying. Boy, I like the defense. Special teams are doing a nice job. Boy, offense is vomiting off all times. And it really is. You get the Titans game where you just glow and glow, but it's led by really the passing game. And then you get games like the Ravens where everybody's just running into each other. Game plan can't adjust. Kevin Stefanski has to start making adjustments in the season. Hopefully he does. Hopefully I come in here and say, boy, I was wrong. He did a great job adjusting. But after four years of Stefanski, I think I got a good read on him, and I just don't think it's right for that. Browns and Niners next week will be all over it. That's your Browns. Coming back, Buckeyes. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Check out at official Cleveland Sports. We're on after every Buckeyes game. We're there after the Maryland game. Soon as the gun sounds, the horn, whatever they do now in football, I don't even know they sound guns anymore. But anyways, go to at official Cleveland Sports. We're breaking down every game. Every game. Like coverage after every Cavs game, we're there. We like Coverage after every Browns game, probably sometimes you don't. But even if when you don't, you do. You come on, check it out. At official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That's at official Cleveland Sports. IG. Clevelandland.com for all your great Cleveland coverage. City as well. Todd Hall does a great job of covering the city. And I do the sports along with Tony Camino. Check it out. Believeinthland.com. You like good coverage of the teams. Better check it out. Believe in the land also. On YouTube. All right, Buckeyes. Buckeyes came out kind of kind of sleepy. Flat as a board. Didn't seem to have any zip. Start off strangely with a fourth down. I know some people are calling it a snap. I whatever you want to call it. They they snapped the ball. It didn't go to the punter. It went to the running back and he got stopped. Maryland scored four plays later. Seven-nothing and Felt like it was 10-0 pretty quickly. The Buckeyes then got in control, and they scored 37 of the last 44 points, and they won 37-17. McCord had a big day, but the bigger day went to Harrison Jr., and I'll start off with him. Uh, Marvin, I think, has a good chance to win the Heisman. Listen to me. I've been saying that a lot. I really do think that that young man is, A, he's, I think, the best player in college football. I really do. Uh, he is very, very talented. He's not even healthy. And he's getting 160 plus cat plus yards, eight catches, a touchdown. I mean, he's just he's electric. By far the best wide receiver in college football. By far, not even comparable. Imagine when he's healthy. So you know he went off. Abuka got dinged up. We'll have to see how serious that is. No Henderson in this game. Um, but again, the passing game in the second half really took control of the game. The defense did what it had to do. The, the Buckeyes defense is clearly far improved. Uh, this is not the Buckeyes defense from last year. 
they did a nice job of really buckling down this game. And again, they're they're very similar to the Browns. They don't, I mean, they make some turnovers. Proctor's pick six was a huge momentum play in this game. Got the 10-7 when the offense really, I mean, Buckeye's offense was just in complete snoozeville. Sleeper mode for the second half they woke up. But they you know that pick six did, did the job. They make turnovers. They make stops. The Buckeyes have a very good deal. That's so improved from last year. So improved. Um, it's going to be tested here as they go on. And, you know, as the season goes on, we'll have to see if they can keep up to this level. But, you know, very good start. Very good start four games in. Now, um, now five games in. So that, you know, that's your circumference. You know, do you want to get into, like, Different plays in this game, sure. Again, the Proctor play really settled it out. Again, once the offense got going, and once Harrison Jr. started running over the field, you just feel the game kind of suffocating in for Maryland. Maryland's not on the same level as Ohio State, and they just eventually got worn down, which is what big teams do. They wear you down. And, you know, clearly to me, the Buckeyes and the Bulldogs don't have the sexy wins that we saw this weekend from Oklahoma who had a great win against Texas. You know, Florida State's had great wins against LSU at Clemson. I mean, those are great wins. Two best teams by far are the the Bees, the Bulldogs and the Buckeyes. They are by far the best two teams, and they're going to keep that way for a while. And that's all the good news stuff. Um, Hand-wringing, there are two areas for the Buckeyes. One is this running game. So Henderson doesn't play, and all of a sudden they can't run the ball. That's goofy. Well, the offensive line had a goofy day. I won't say they were terrible, but they weren't good. They were just okay. They got what they needed to do to get the win. Uh, I've been pro not freaking out against this offensive line. But even I, who have been pretty neutral, but what I've seen so far, kind of like I, I, I opened my eyes a little bit. And saw some things that weren't good. The Buckeyes are going to have to make some improvements on the offensive line going forward. Um, Maryland really got through at points in the first half, and they really slowed down the Buckeyes' running game. In fact, I wouldn't say slow down. They basically stopped it. They forced the Buckeyes to win. The Buckeyes only had one way to win. That was through throwing in the air, and they did. And they certainly have the – that's the thing. Buckeyes have the weapons to throw it up. And if McCord plays like he did in the second half, forget it. It doesn't matter if you stop the run or not. You're still going to give up 30-plus points in a game, as they did on Saturday. But the Buckeyes running game is a concern without Henderson. With Henderson in there, it seems that everything seems to be running fine. But, you know, I, I do I, – I am starting to go down that road of, What's going on in this offensive line? Why aren't they running the ball as well with Henderson? It is fair things to point out. And the other one is third and short situations, which kind of impacts point number one here. Um, the Buckeyes don't do a great job in third and shorts. Um, it's a real conundrum. Again, Buckeyes aren't alone. I think a lot of teams this year in college football, and frankly in the pros, having a hard time getting – Third and twos, third and ones, yeah, fourth and ones, fourth and twos in the first downs. Um, frankly, teams aren't practicing enough, in my opinion. Um, also, it's not a given in football. I think sometimes it's fans, sometimes even setting 
guy here. We give us so much as a given. It's not. Uh, Buckeyes really do have some troubles there. And then finally, they have sometimes troubles in the red zone. And then you put up more points in the red zone. I think that one will wash away as time goes on. But something to keep your eye on. But the, the first two are very serious. They are third and shorts in this running game. What the offensive line concerns are something to watch as we go along. That said, again, I thought the Ohio State team came off so flat and they still won comfortably by the end by 20 points. That's Ohio State football. They are, to me, the second-best team in the country. I think the Bulldogs are number one or number two. They are right there. And seeing what I saw this week from college football, I think, you're, you know, being a high state fan, you should be very satisfied. Ask the Irish how they're feeling. Ask the Miami Hurricanes, who had a deplorable loss against Georgia Tech. Just need to kneel the ball to end the game. They forgot to kneel and fumbled the ball away. Next thing you know, Georgia Tech's winning the game. I mean, gosh, what a terrible loss for Miami. Bad loss for Notre Dame. Bad loss. Bad. Mm, mm, mm. Bad. Embarrassing. Freeman's in a little bit of trouble. Texas had a bad loss. Had the lead. Couldn't hold it against Oklahoma. Oklahoma, big moment for that program. Big moment from Venerables. Nice win. A great game. Wonderful game. But that's the thing. Like This college football season is starting to settle out a little bit. And throughout the season, I didn't know if we had two top teams. I think we do now. And the Buckeyes are. One of those top teams, I, is Michigan in that circle? Some will say yes. I need to see more from Michigan. I'm not there yet with the Wolverines to say they're in this class. Although I don't, I know they've been in Ohio State two straight years. And boy, oh, day. I mean, we can go on for a whole show about that. He's got to win that game this year. It's crucial. That said, I think Ohio State's better. I do. Now they beat him again. Then I'm going to eat, eat what I just said, but that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing and thinking so far. The other thing of note this college football season that is very evident is you know there's not as many electric again pinball high scoring 50 60 point games like we might see some years in college football. Defense is also playing well there too. Ohio State's defense has taken a major step forward. And the nice thing is they get another game. Look, they're going to be Purdue. They're going to go into Purdue, and they're going to smack them around. They're going to say basketball school, which Purdue is, and then Purdue's going to wipe the floor with Ohio State in, in the winter. Um, and then they play Penn State, and they play at Wisconsin. So in fairness, Ohio State's going to really get tested these next two weeks. But I think they are ready for the test. They need to get Henderson healthy. And hopefully a book is not too, you know, too banged up as they need him. It really gives them some uh, big advantages against the Nittany Lions and gives them a big advantage over a team like Wisconsin. And then they get in November. In November, the first few games are not count. Maybe Minnesota, maybe. And then they play uh, Michigan in the season. Then they, you know, hopefully Big Ten Championship. The road is there. It has not been glorified. It has not been the most sexiest season so far. But the Buckeyes are really in a good position. And again, they're in that top cut. There's no question. They get another warm up with the Boilermakers. 
Then they get to the big boys with Penn State and then on the road against the Badgers. Challenging games ahead, but this team is ready. They just got to figure out why aren't they running the ball more consistently without Henderson and this offensive line. Defense, I think, is there. They just got to keep doing what they're doing. 